0: I remember the last time, the last time we had a long period of high temperatures and dry weather, little rain. Uh, I remember that time as the summer of 2011. Uh, In that July of that summer of 2011, the family and I, uh, while I was on sabbatical, traveled up to the east coast and it was hot everywhere we went. New Orleans, hot and humid, Charleston, hot and humid. Washington, D.C., hot and humid, and New York City, where we expected it to be a little cooler, was hot and humid. In uh, you know, almost all of the pictures we took of ourselves, you know, the three boys and Terry and I, and almost all of those pictures of ourselves, during that time, we all have hot red faces. Now, at the end of that summer, that Labor Day weekend, I remember walking out of the Walmart in LaGrange, where we lived at that time, and I noticed how hot and windy it was. It was that weekend, just 30 miles away, that the Bastrop Fires had begun, broken out. A fire that burned 32,000 acres, including 1.5, an estimated 1.5 million trees, and destroyed 1,600 homes. And it is considered Texas's most destructive wildfire in its history. As destructive as fire can be, in one form or another, It is one of the tools of human life. Where would we be if we didn't have fire or the things that fire and heat can produce? Not only that, who doesn't like a nice fire in the fireplace on a cold winter's night? And who doesn't like a campfire? When you go camping, what what does everybody want to do? Build a fire. Sit around the campfire. And we don't need these candles. We've got a whole set of candles up here burning. Uh, We don't need them for light. Uh, but they do add ambiance. They do add a sense of, of reverence to our to our worship. And fire is one of the primordial symbols of the spiritual life. In the Bible, it can, it can represent or symbolize several things. Uh, one, it can repre- represent judgment. Uh, we can think back to the Old Testament story of Elijah who brought down fire from heaven and destroyed the priests of the god Baal. And in the Gospel according to Luke, when Jesus passed through the region of Samaria, and the Samaritans did not welcome Jesus because he had set his face towards Jerusalem, uh, the two disciples known as James and John, or the nicknames that Jesus gave them, the sons of thunder, James and John wanted to call down fire on the Samaritans. Now in some cases, fire represents purification, like in the book of Zechariah, when the Lord said he would put the people of ancient Israel into the fire and refine them as one refines silver and then in the new testament again the fire symbolizes the presence of the holy spirit you remember the day of pentecost uh, divided tongues as a fire rested on each of the disciples and then the reading from the gospel according to luke jesus used the imagery of fire and says i came to bring fire to the earth and how i wish it were already kindled now, we really shouldn't be surprised that Jesus has used such imagery, imagery using the image of fire, because, this, because John the Baptist warned, warned that this would happen. He warned everyone at the beginning when he said, this is John the Baptist speaking, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and to clear his threshing floor, to gather the wheat into his granary, but the chaff he will burn, with unquenchable fire. So today Jesus goes on to say, I have a baptism with which to be baptized, and what stress I am under till it is complete. Do you think that I have come to bring peace to the earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. And then he describes here in this lesson the kind of division he is talking about. From now on five in the one household will be divided against each other, three against two, and two against three, father against son, Son against father, daughter against mother, mother against daughter, daughter daughter-in-law against mother, mother mother-in-law against daughter-in-law.
1: Now that doesn't sound like peace
0: to me. That doesn't sound like peace. But Jesus says that he comes to bring fire and division seems to go against the grain of what we typically understand Jesus' mission to be. Because we generally understand Jesus' mission to be about peace, related to peace. When the angels announced to the shepherds the good news of Jesus' birth, they said, Glory in the highest heaven and on earth peace towards those God favors. And when the righteous and devout old man Simeon, also in the gospel according to Luke, who had been promised that he would live to see the Savior, he held Jesus as a baby in his hands when his parents took him to the temple to be circumcised. And Simeon praised God, saying, Master, you are dismissing your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen the salvation of God. And later when Jesus sent out disciples, first uh, 12, and then later 70, when he sent out disciples to heal and cast out demons, he ordered them to enter homes and announce, peace be to this house. And then after Jesus healed people, he often told them when they departed to go in peace. So peace does seem to be what Jesus is about. But, 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 Yet, when Simeon, the man, the man from the temple, when he handed the child Jesus back to Joseph and Mary, he told Mary, this child, this child is to be destined for the falling and rising of many in Israel, and he will be a sign that they, that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed. And So here Jesus says, I did not come to bring peace, but the sword, not peace, but division. And at this point in the gospel, Jesus is going to Jerusalem where he will indeed be opposed. The inner thoughts of many will be revealed. He will be opposed by the authorities there. And throughout his ministry, from time to time, Jesus faced opposition. Everyone who came into contact with him reacted to him in some way. uh, To what he said, to what he did, to what he stood for. And not everyone then in Jesus' life and in his ministry, not everyone then and not everyone now is in favor of Jesus' program, his ministry. They will resist it. They will oppose it. Now, Jesus' program, we want to call it that, his program, goes back to when he stood up in the synagogue and he said that the spirit of the Lord is upon me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and to let the oppressed go free. And his program also includes loving one's enemies and praying for those who abuse you and doing to others as you would have them do to you. Not everyone's going to be on board with all that. And this is what creates the division. This is what creates that division. This is the division that Jesus is talking about. His ultimate mission, his ultimate purpose is peace in the broad sense of that word, meaning shalom. Uh, My favorite... My favorite biblical scholar, Walter Brueggemann, describes shalom as all creation living in joy, well-being, harmony, and prosperity. That's a wonderful vision. Wonderful vision of shalom, of peace, all creation living in joy, well-being, harmony, and prosperity. And it may be hard to believe, but there are some people who don't want that. There are some people who do not want that for all creation or all people. They see the world in terms of a zero-sum game. If you win, I lose. If you get more, that means I have less. Jesus' vision is a God of abundance, a vision of abundance. Other people who pose this vision of Shalom have vested interests in maintaining the status quo. Now, Jesus' mother, Mary, thinking back to the Magnificat, she sings, she says, she says of God, he has shown the strength of his arm, he has scattered the proud in their conceit, he has cast down the mighty from their thrones and has lifted up the lowly, he has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. That's part of Jesus' mission too. That helps to bring about the peace, the shalom. Uh, the 19th century philosopher, Frederick Nietzsche, not a person I often quote, not a person I can say I understand a whole lot about, uh, but the 19th century philosopher Frederick Nietzsche wrote about the reevaluation of all values. You know, Nietzsche was not a Christian, or he probably hadn't, been, but he rejected Christianity and wrote about moving beyond Christian morality towards something else. But Jesus is way ahead of Friedrich Nietzsche. In the transvaluation or the reevaluation of all values. That's what Jesus was doing in his own time and continues to do to this day as he challenges us to re-eval- reevaluate our values in light of his kingdom and his peace. He enacts his vision of peace throughout his ministry, and often the values of his vision, the values of his ministry, are not what the world or sometimes we value. So we need we need that purifying fire that renews and not destroys so that we may be brought into alignment with the values of the kingdom. And by doing so, we and our world are renewed. In Bastrop County, if you haven't driven through lately, you drive through there, the forests which were burned and charred are growing back once again. And Jesus', Jesus ministry does create division. People react to him. People will oppose him but it's not a division for division's sake he's not here to burn everything down just renew it jesus grants us his grace not in order to destroy us or destroy our nature but to enhance it jesus is all about peace wholeness and shalom and the fire that jesus kindles is like that fire that renews the forest after it burns it's a fire that purifies fire that renews And so may that fire be kindled in us so that we too may be purified and renewed and that we reflect that peace of god's shalom god's desire for us and for all creation amen